Hi, and welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, and in this Simply Happy Conversation, I'm talking with Alex Stewart from Low Tox Life. She's an educator, change advocate, and podcast host of Low Tox Life. We talk about chronic inflammation response syndrome and her experience with mold. We also discuss the need for a humidifier in your home and how to use it and tips for reducing mold and exposure to mold in your homes. This conversation is a video recording that you can also watch on YouTube. Let's jump into this Simply Happy guest conversation. Welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, wellness and organizational coach and yin and nidra yoga instructor. This podcast will help you create more time using organizational strategies so that you can start to simplify your life and prioritize your health. I'll be sharing conversations with other health and organizational experts and solo episodes with tips to help you simplify your life and prioritize your health. Today on Simply Happy Conversations, I have with me Alex Stewart from Low Tox Life, and she's an educator, a change advocate, and also a podcast host of Low Tox Home. Welcome, Alex. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really stoked to be here. Oh, it's so lovely to have you after listening to all of your podcast episodes <laughs> and now to have you here to share your knowledge with my listeners as well. So maybe start with telling about some of the things that you like to do in free time or spare time that you have? Well, I definitely love uh, connecting with my family. We are uh, from several countries and uh, being quite far away from my family, I love chatting on WhatsApp or uh, just giving them a buzz out of the blue now that we can so much easier digitally. Uh, So that's probably one of my favourite free time activities. And then tennis. Tennis, tennis, tennis. I just love it. I play it all the time. I watch it. It's one of my great joys. Um, So those are two things that don't really have a lot to do with low shots life that I just love doing and disconnecting from work and, and, uh, and doing. So with your tennis, do you play in competitions or mm-hmm. like friendly games? And how oh, no, I'm not like- friendly. No, not on the <laughs> tennis court, not at all. <laughs> being, being a PE teacher, I, like in my past life, I know exactly what you mean when it comes yeah. to tennis and the competitive stuff. Something happens comes to out. me when I'm on that court and it is an arena, absolutely. <laughs> and how many times a week would you play? Do you play in like a competition a couple of times? About three or four times a week, oh, wow. yeah. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's such a great outlet and completely yeah. different to everything else. Oh, and your dog. What about your little dog that you have as well? Well, he's not little. He's a 40 kilo retriever. So definitely not small. And yeah, I take him for a really big power walk every evening. My husband does the morning run in the park and play with other dogs, but I actually like using my dog for exercise. And so we do that every evening as well. Yeah. But is he a bit, like young? He's a puppy? He is. He just yeah, turned yeah. two. So, yeah, yeah, we are we are getting to the stage where a couple of runs a day and then he's very happy to lounge around the house for the rest of the time. So, oh, thank you. Uh, it's <laughs> that was nice a bit when, hectic for a while there. It's mm. nice when they move into that sort of teenage age, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a sloth now. <laughs> so tell us about your business, how and why you started. And it's like, what, 2010 when you actually started? Yes. So I started it 
Probably because of uh, the things that I learned when I had my own health challenges in my late 20s. I had to go gluten-free. Uh, not, I don't have celiac disease and I can even, in, interestingly, eat gluten in most places in Europe. But uh, for whatever reason, whether it be farming, ancestral issues, hybridization, chemicals, I cannot eat gluten in Australia. And so going through that process of having to learn how to shop gluten-free, even when you were buying a few packaged things, and then realising there were all these awful additives and things, made me really clean up my diet and move from a product heavy trolley to a produce heavy basket and connect with farmers and, and really start to understand my place in the natural cycle of things as an eater, which I think when you grow up in a city and in supermarkets, you just don't have any idea about what's going on out there on the land and how hard our farmers are working. So I, I was writing gluten-free recipes and just sharing them with family and friends, uh, and I did that via a blog, but I wasn't publishing it for any people out there. Uh, and I was also sharing some of the low-tox things that I had started to find in personal care and cleaning because once you start searching through additives in food, it's pretty natural to then start questioning what's in all your stuff. Uh, I, I certainly found that for me. And uh, 10, 12 years ago, there wasn't this information really readily available for people online. And so people connected with me and strangers started commenting. And so I started the Facebook page, which then started the community. And then we've got a podcast, two books, speaking gigs all over the place and, and uh, 11 e-courses later. And, um, and here we are. And it's just an amazing community of people, no judgment, it's really just all about where we can all overlap for our health and the planet. However you eat, whatever mix that is, uh, wherever you live, you don't have to be a homesteader in the country to be able to do it right. There is no right, really, and it's just about everybody doing what they can from where they are. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's so lovely. I love how you have like the different things too, because it might be around sort of eating where it might be about around your home. So mm. there's so much variety as well as just, you know, the guests that you have are amazing on your podcast around um, how to, the more sustainable that we can be in our living practices. Some, yeah, some phenomenal guests really that you, oh, have, you. have, which is, you know, great to listen to. And like me, I'm the same. I love learning new things. So I really enjoy all the interesting people that you have and open up those conversations for us to even think about uh, yeah. and what we can do in our own homes. Um, so, yes, I'm so glad that you did that back in 2010 <laughs> and now have all these other things to offer people to be able to, you know, do whatever it is that suits them, whether it's an e-course or whether it's a book or listening to podcasts. So there's all of those different learning styles are actually being met with all the information that you share. So tell us about like chronic inflammation response syndrome, which mm. is one of the things that comes up and you do share a lot about, uh, which yeah. is great. Because I'm sure yeah. people are like, because I know when I've talked about it about my daughter, people have been like, what? I've never heard about it. Or they mm -hmm. might have heard a snippet of it, but they don't actually know a lot about it. Yeah, well, a syndrome basically means it's not a clinically recognised disease, kind of like chronic fatigue syndrome. A few doctors are trying to help as best they can with it, but we don't have a medical consensus on diagnose, treat and cure. 
and uh, you know you have basically there's an agreement that bio certain biotoxins affect certain humans in varying ways and the the degree to which you are affected can depend on how many viruses you've been exposed to in the past how stressed you are right now women get affected more especially middle-aged women and the thinking there is that it has a lot to do with how much a woman <laughs> takes on in her middle age from the teenagers to the aging parents to the role as a partner, to managing still most of the home, to then trying to carve out some time for themselves and being in the peak of their career, it's thought that this could be one of the reasons that women seem to be more affected than men. Uh, my husband wasn't really affected other than a couple of mild respiratory uh, indications, but I had a full-blown inflammatory response. So every system in my body was affected. I was twitching. I was tremoring. I was having muscle spasms. So that was the neurological stuff. Ice pick pains, just shooting pains all over my body or pins and needles, as I know your daughter's experience. Yeah, yeah the same, yeah. And then cardiac symptoms like ectopic beats and uh, crazy palpitations, especially a lot more histamine after foods that would all of a sudden affect me where they wouldn't before. Uh, and then, you know, things like forgetting words and almost finding it really hard to speak, like being conscious of the muscles in my mouth. And that's so scary when you have no idea what's going on. Uh, and then a whole bunch of other symptoms, gastrointestinal, basically the whole system shut down. I did every gut protocol under the sun, but I just needed to move out of my mouldy environment. And I think we're not questioning the home, the environment, uh, the stress levels in someone's life enough in clinical practice of all kinds. You know, I even saw naturopaths and integrative doctors back then seven years ago when it happened to me and they couldn't help me really uh, particularly well. It was very much a you're on your own and you find the rabbit hole forums and blogs and people talking about what they've been through online. And, uh, and I hope it comes a lot further. We had an initial doctor who, uh, Dr. Richie Shoemaker, who coined the term SERS and biotoxin illness and identified certain black moulds. It's not all moulds. We don't need to freak out about a bit of green on a lemon that gets left in the fruit bowl or a little bit of fur on your jam. Like those aren't things that are going to give you biotoxin illness, but water damage moulds that grow in walls and through ceilings when we haven't taken care of leaks and rising damp and things like that, they can be really harmful. And while Richie seemed to find a correlation with a certain gene type, there are other doctors and other health professionals around the world who've kind of evolved that initial uh, coining of the term and treating of the illness, which he's done an incredible job with through the body of his career. But we're now really realising, as I said before, it can be you've got a weakened immune system, not just genetics. It can be you've been really stressed for a really long period of time in some way. Um, you've been through trauma and that can make you more susceptible to biotoxin illness as well. So Yes, genetics can play a part, but there's a whole lot of factors that can weaken a system that make you more prone to then reacting. And then, of course, toxic black moulds are toxic. So 
everyone in the home is going to be affected in different ways, some more than others uh, for the reasons I've said. But my hope is that we have a lot more uh, rigmarole around the standard of what we build and how we build it um, to protect people and their investments, as well as a far more literate professional body of traders when it comes to how serious the job waterproofing is and we often give it to some kid plumber who's just part of a, a building job or a renovation team uh, and and really these should be very highly uh, highly vetoed highly trained uh, people who come in and do this kind of work for people's homes and repairs you know, painting over mould does not get rid of mould and trying to clean it with vinegar does not get rid of mould. You yes. really get, if it's or water damage. Bleach yeah. is the other one that I no, hear all the time. No, it can yeah. give it food and it's, it can yeah. make it more toxic because yeah. it retaliates, kind of like if you don't finish your antibiotic course and the bugs kind of get smarter and more powerful. Um, not that I'm advocating for antibiotics unless they're absolutely necessary, but to just give you yeah. something that people are more familiar with as a concept. So um, mould is a big deal, but the good news is half the people who have mould issues like you see mould on your handbag in your um, wardrobe because it's been raining for two weeks, half the people really don't have a huge water damage issue and they don't need to worry about toxic mould. They actually need to reduce the humidity in their homes to below 60% at all times to prevent the growth of mould and then to learn how to clean or get rid of those few items that you saw the first time mould came about and uh, and learn how to prevent it. So I'm a huge fan of dehumidification if you live mm. in damp areas. Uh, I always have a 10% off going with the wonderful Oz Climate dehumidifiers for people. So the code is Lotox Life, and you can cash in on that anytime you want. Their pro their products are amazing. They collect water so fast compared yeah. to other units I've had in the past. Oh, we've got we got one like mm. at Christmas time, and obviously living down here in Victoria, we don't have the humidity in winter, but in summer we did. But yeah. now I've moved it into my laundry. And when I run the dryer, I'll put That's it on it. there. And it's amazing how much water you will collect. Oh, absolutely. I say to people, forget DMing me about how to clean your bathroom. Stick a small compact yep. dehumidifier in your bathroom. Soon as the family's done with their showers for the evening, chuck it on, two, three hours, bone dry, you will never see mould again. Yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. completely. And just the way that I've seen the water being sucked out of the air and collected yeah. is phenomenal, really. Uh, especially, mm. and not where we live, we don't have humid days every day, whereas you probably yeah. do. Um, so, you know, when you do have one of those days and you put it on, you're like, my gosh, that's already full in, say, two hours compared. To, and it's probably faster for you, but um, for us, it's roughly around two hours on sort of a humid day, the our system that we have. So, yeah, it's quite interesting and eye opening when you see that and see it's those huge. results, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so I always say to people, do you have a shady side of your house that just doesn't seem to dry out as well as the rest of the house? Get a dehumidifier in that part of the house and just run it every day. You're going to have to. My mum finally was convinced to get one. She's like, does it ever, like, do we ever stop needing it? It just, the 20 litre fills up every day. I'm like, no, it's a shady part of the house. You're always going to need to give it a helping hand. 
Yeah. Uh, and so I think that literacy is really important. And then you can have like a little hygrometer that you stick on your fridge. It's You can grab one on Amazon or I think I was climbing. Bunnings. I got one from well. Bunnings actually. Bunnings. Yeah. And it's like got a little magnet so it lives on the fridge and you can just walk past it. Mine's 57 today so I know I don't need the dehumidifier on. But as soon as that clock's 60 or more, on the dehumidifiers go uh, and a lot of people think oh I'm going to open all the windows and air things out but if it's raining you're better off having things closed and running dehumidifiers to prevent the walls from staying wet for too long and then when it comes to leaks just act fast if it's been a big leak or a flood you're going to need commercial dehumidifier higher um, just google it you'll you'll find units available around you uh, and get those in within the next two days because mould can grow after that 48-hour mark uh, in a water damage situation. So you really want to act quickly. You want to call the SES and get a tarp over the roof. Don't let it keep leaking and then uh, work quick, smart with your insurers to make sure that you deal with it. And hopefully they reimburse you for the commercial dehumidifier, but if they don't, your health is on the line uh, when it comes to leaks. And I just always say just get those things in as fast as you can when you've noticed a leak before you can get a tradie or an insurance inspection because um, you just that way you're preventing the water damage, which is what we always want to do because remediation costs tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if you're talking about a big whole house remediation. So I want to stop anyone from mm. getting to that point. So with the um, the big industrial ones, is that also like part of the heating, like a heating system that comes in to dry out? Because I've actually got a friend who's just had this same thing happen mm. in the leak. So they, the insurance have bought heating in for them, so big round heaters for them to dry out their house. It can possibly. be, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, that's incredibly drying and if it's winter, yeah. that'll be really effective. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hopefully it's got a dehumidification aspect to it as well, mm. filling up a tank with water. That's that's the ideal. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But so, it's tough because you have so many contradicting ideas yeah. about the severity of mould, the urgency of, of dealing with a mould issue or a leak issue, and, uh, you know, you finally have lots of really amazing professionals now, mould technicians inspecting uh, for you, identifying where leaks might be coming from. You've got insurance people that are now working on behalf of people. So they've jumped ship from uh, insurance companies and they're starting to support people uh, with uh, the justice element yeah. of getting action. And uh, and so I've got a lot of hope for where we're headed. I'd love to see more justice around rental because that is a particularly bad uh, let's just paint over it and get new tenants in situation and people get evicted for reporting mould. Uh, so we've got a lot of work to do in the rental area, but um, home ownership tends to be moving in the right direction. Oh, my gosh, you're just talking. So, like, behind the scenes doing my professional organising, I am in rentals. A lot of my work is in rentals and I see mould everywhere all mm -hmm. the time. And it is. It's like, okay, we're going to be moving out. They're just going to paint over it. And this is when these families are getting the same, the respiratory things. It's like, I think there's mould and they've just painted over it for you and they mm -hmm. haven't actually. And, you know, months go past and it's like, oh, now you do have the mould. You can see it. It's coming through already. So I yeah. see this 
constantly in the work that I do. So if a family did have mould and it's coming through, what do you recommend as in cleaning sort of process for them? Because the first thing they all say to me is let's get the bleach. And I'm like, no, no, not not bleach because because of my experience of what we've done in our own home and the reading I'd done from you. But, yeah, yeah. What's, what's your advice? Yeah, so you don't, I mean, cleaning mould is very hard. It's much better to try and remove it. I get that that's difficult for renters. Mm. Uh, for a renter, I would actually just recommend moving and never move into a place that's freshly painted and carpeted because that is usually just uh, keywords for a cover-up job. You want to see a rough and ready, not had anything done to it, like you'd be better off going in and painting it yourself and then you at least know the condition of the place rather than cover-up jobs being done. But if you own, get a mould technician in to test. Uh, They have special equipment that they can identify if there are any leaks, any rising damp. They can test the actual mould that you might have in different parts of the house even uh, if you have the budget to or just get a general check on a particularly uh, annoying room like say in the shady aspect of the house or um, backing off a bathroom where there might have been a pipe burst at some point Uh, and then you will probably need your drywall removed and replaced by a professional remediator and the sooner you act if you think you have a mold problem the better Um, you might not even be health affected. You might be completely fine right now uh, and you might continue to be completely fine, but your investment will go down the toilet if you don't remove mould now because mould composts things and your drywall will become completely contaminated and need replacing eventually, so why wait? Because it gets more and more expensive. So that would be my advice. And then... In terms of if you really feel like you need extra support, the Toxic Mould Support Group Australia is amazing on Facebook and they have a wonderful website. Uh, And uh, I'm putting on uh, resources all the time when it comes to mould. We've got a ton of podcasts I've done with doctors, builders, uh, architects and, uh, and that kind of a thing. So, yeah, there's plenty to help if you think you might have a mould problem. So what about for people to reduce like exposure to mould just in their homes? Is there any simple like tips that you have around that? Mm, For sure. Little little small bits, not maybe the whole wall, you know, Mm. wall contamination, but just the small things to look out for in their homes. So prevention. Prevention is key. Get the dehumidifier. If Well, get the hygrometer to see if you're over 60% humidity often. And if you are, get the dehumidifier units. They will be your absolute best friend. I do not want people calling me, emailing me, DMing me, asking me how to remove mould. So if you've got mould in your bathroom right now, like in grout or silicone, Mm. get a tradie and it's a couple of hundred bucks. They'll replace it all for you and lay fresh uh, grout and silicone down and then start dehumidifying your bathroom so that you don't have mould develop. Um, you know, I love putting dehumidifiers periodically in our wardrobe mm. uh, to make sure that that stays nice and dry. If it's raining, it goes on and I start moving it through the apartment just constantly to make sure everything stays dry. If you've got a big open plan space, one of my favourite things to do is to just get all the cushions off the couch, uh, you know, anything that's kind of loose and put it all in your smallest bedroom or study 
and dehumidify it all in there so it stays nice and dry. That's a good hack if you've got a really open kind of space and it's quite hard to reduce humidity there. At least then your couch parts aren't going to get mouldy and and gross. Um, but yeah, that, that, I mean dehumidification is pretty much my number one. And then of course air filtration is a great idea. If uh, you can't move and you just need some some support from a respiratory perspective, uh, as long as it's a four stage or five stage HEPA filter, I find the charcoal filters the best. Again, Oz Climate have really good units. So do um, Innovair. Uh, those would probably be my two picks. And um, and then at least you're you're getting those mold spores cleaned up in your indoor environment if you can't move right now. Yeah. And then what about as a person who's suffering from chronic inflammation response syndrome, are there any tips that you have for those people? Absolutely. Oh, there's so much you can do. Um, I would listen to the podcast that I've done and I'll, I'll send I'll you. I'll link them. them. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I'll send them yeah. to you uh, because we've interviewed some wonderful doctors in that space who help people with mould every day. Um, I would say, of course, the number one is to remove yourself from the mould. Uh, and that can be really complicated. It can be a huge learning journey, uh, but that really does just fix a whole bunch of problems. I tried to do so many things, had so many therapies. Everything was easier uh, to actually heal when I was no longer being constantly assaulted uh, with by my indoor air. It was just night and day in terms of recovery ex- escalation for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I, I cannot think of the person who did it, the movie Moldy. Mm, and yeah, how, that was Dave Asprey. They, yeah. That's right, David Asprey. Mm. And that people like literally moved to the desert where mm-hmm. they could and lived in a tent to be able mm-hmm. to recover. And it was like, yeah, I can just imagine for some people that's what they've got to get to, just moving to that dry there's no humidity and just, you know, to dry, to, to almost dry themselves out, isn't it, from the mold yeah. and recover. I think, I think you have to also, like, that can feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, am I going to have to do that? And I think I, I was speaking to Sandeep Gupta, our best mould doctor in Australia the other day, and we were talking about how your solution um, has to feel good for you. Yep. Like for me, it's actually just about finding a dry apartment and we have one and yes. we're very grateful. And uh, some people feel like they just want to cleanse their whole life and that's the only way they're going to find peace to move forward. So I don't want anyone in the infancy of exploring it thinking they're going to have to move to the desert. I did not. I'm still in <laughs> Sydney, although I find it very hard and we've been looking for a bigger apartment for a long time. Uh, at least for now, we're somewhere great, and and I'm I feel fantastic. So yeah, yeah, it is definitely possible to feel well again if you have a biotoxin illness, because finding the right health professional to usher you through it, finding the right environment that you can thrive in, you will start to feel better. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that, that's great advice around health professionals who understand and they yeah. can test test for you to even see if this is what mm. it is that your body which yeah, you know, I feel really lucky that we found someone straight away and it was her who went oh 
and she didn't even expect it. So, um, yeah, so just finding someone um, who's going to be able to listen to you and understand because I do know the first professionals was like, oh, there's problems with your daughter's legs. Maybe she's just standing too long. That's why there's pins and needles and red. Uh, I've heard it all. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that's just, can, you know, continuing to find someone. But I think just sharing your advice and sharing the links I think is great. So how can people you know, connect with you. And I know that you've got something coming up, which is beautifully linked to this whole conversation we've had. Yeah. As well. well, so everything's at Low Tops Life uh, and Low Tops Life is a trademark name. So you will know that it's me if Low Tops and Life are together. The podcast, the Facebook page, Instagram, it's all just Low Tops Life, the books. Uh, and uh, I'll send you, obviously, the mould resources that we have already, but around the corner we also have the Festival of Mould. I'm actually awesome. putting together <laughs> 10 days of amazing health professionals, construction, architect, insurance professionals, uh, rental justice professionals to help step us through mould and where we need to be, as well as what we can do right now, because a lot of people are confused. It's really hard to know whether you're getting the right professionals in. It's really hard to know whether the insurance companies are giving you a runaround and what you can actually fight for, as well as, of course, the health recovery piece. Also really hard to find health professionals that can usher you through the whole process. And I just want to remind everybody that you are the customer. So audition people. Don't just go in and say, oh, they're a doctor, so of course they'll be able to help me. Or, oh, they're a naturopath, so of course they'll be able to help me. Not everyone can help with mould, trust me. So I'm really excited to put it together because I've kind of wanted to stop having to talk about it so yeah. much for a while and I thought you know what I need to do I need to provide a you don't have any more questions to ask if yeah. you come to this kind of thing and so over 10 days there'll be interviews that people can jump on live if they have the time and ask questions live especially if a couple of them really pique your interest on things that you want to know more about but then it'll all be bundled up and you'll receive all the interviews as a library as well as a whole bunch of PDFs around mould prevention, around house maintenance that helps you catch things early on in the piece, uh, and then, of course, uh, things you can do for your health and uh, and home. So, yeah, I'm really looking oh, forward to that. Oh, that is so excited. And then you can just move on to something else if you like. Exactly. <laughs> I think I'm back to recipes and low-tox products full-time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. And knowing yeah. that I've been searching online for, you know, the last few months for my daughter, I definitely know that there's not anything out there that just brings it all together. It was mm, like bits this everywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to do it myself. But yes, I'm you are. I'm so passionate <laughs> about, you know, mould. When I did my TED Talk last year on mould, I, I calculated how much it had cost us. And, of course, the emotional cost is not something mm. you can even price as you well know having it in your family but financially we've moved nine times in five years uh and from the medical misdiagnoses and searching phase because no one knew what chronic inflammatory response syndrome was eight years ago through to actually moving and replacing furniture at $120,000 that's our entire life savings Every penny of disposable income on top of the necessities has gone on mould. And I just know that if people have the knowledge, like 
I want to put something together that I wish my eight years yeah. ago self had access to. Um, you know, I would have taken a couple of those landlords to court and won had I known that I could, for example. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really time to build the awareness, build the resources and just give people a chance to navigate it successfully as well as start learning that it's a really important thing to prevent and that yeah. that's for everybody. Yes, definitely. And I think that was the thing that opened my eyes up. I was like, wow, this is huge and this is everywhere and mm. we need to be more aware of it and doing things about it. And yeah. Even like going to just a kind of accommodation somewhere and how it's probably affecting you and without even realising it. So it. it is affecting everyone. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. It's been so great to chat to you and to hear all your amazing knowledge around this area. And I can't wait for the Mould Festival. <laughs> I know, <laughs> sexy name, right? But thank yeah. you so much, Narelle, for helping me spread the word on this topic. I hope uh, anyone listening who's been given the runaround by their health professionals, when you kind of just know something bigger is yeah. going on, um, that help is on the way and you don't have to feel awful for the rest of your life. Uh, I am testament. I could not play tennis for five minutes eight years ago and now I'm in Division One competition. So you can absolutely get back to all the things you love and that's always really important for me to share because can feel really hopeless. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a great way to finish. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Simply Happy Conversation. If you'd like to reduce your paper and digital clutter and free yourself from the overwhelm of clutter so that you can claim back time and space to enjoy the things you love, head over to simplyhappy.com.au in the resource section and grab the declutter checklist and start to reduce your clutter even with small amounts of time. I'd like to acknowledge the Wathaurong people of the Kulin Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of the land. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging.